Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. see, see. It, it looks something like this. Hello and welcome to the Football Media Podcast. I'm your host John McKenzie and I'm joined by Matt Murphy, a football journalist who often contributes to the independence coverage of the championship. This week John spoke to Colin Murray, host of the EFL Highlight Package on Quest, and George Ellick, one of the hosts of Not The Top 20 Podcast, a podcast which covers all 72 teams in the football leagues. But before that, Matt and I are going to talk about his experiences of writing about the championship in the national press. So Matt, let's Probably best place to start is at the beginning. Let's talk about your um, your, your early experiences of, of writing writing about the championship and and what those uh, experiences have, have looked like in general. So, when did you start writing about the championship for the Independent? I was actually doing Premier League work first for the Independent, and then I realised that there was there was a, a big gap because we don't do much championship coverage. To be honest, there's not. As as um, as the words come uh, from my former sports editor Ed Malian, there, there was, you know, just wasn't enough traffic in it. Um, there wasn't enough traffic to do total focus of it. So um, you know, to, to to cover it all the time. So I was sent off to do bits and bobs around the place, and, and because nobody else was doing it, I got to pick the games that I was going to. Um, so I started off with Fulham, and I was covering their kind of rise towards the Premier League at the end of their. I think it was the 2017-2018 season and I was covering them there. And that was really interesting because it's it's just when uh, Mitrovic was coming back into the fold and, and scoring loads of goals there, the, you know, the rise of, of Ryan Sessegnon. And, and that was really interesting. Um, I got to speak to a few players exclusively and, 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 and kind of carried on from there. And I was doing other other teams around around London. And then last season, I was covering teams all over the place, from from Leeds to Norwich, um, Derby, and and um, and Millwall. I did an, a, a big feature about Millwall, um, and even even further down into the into the EFL, I was doing pieces on um, on Blackpool as well. So that was really interesting. And last season, as it always is in the Championship, was absolutely manic. I think it was it, it, no doubt the most exciting um, league to report on in the world, and that's why I kind of stuck with that I wasn't interested in jumping back up to do Premier League stuff I wasn't interested uh, well, I mean it'd be more impossible to do anything abroad but um, it just made total sense to to, to be a part of the, the championship stuff because it was just so interesting. You've mentioned that you covered the Premier League before you covered the championship so I'm interested to hear your experience of the difference between the the level of coverage that, that or what happens in terms of coverage in the Premier League and and what happens in the Championship. Your experiences of actually just being in press boxes um, from from a Premier League side to to down to a Championship side. What was that? What was that like? That shift from from Premier League to Championship. In the Premier League, you get um, the mix zone, and not many clubs below the Premier League level do a mix zone. So. Um, you can get loads of different quotes, pieces, um, lots of players just saying interesting things that you can carve uh, potential features out of. 
um, in the Premier League, whereas uh, in in the Championship you have a set player that you speak to and everyone speaks to. Um, at different clubs, it works different ways, and I think um, Brentford are one of the only few that actually do it, an actual mix zone because they. Um, I, I was speaking to their press officer, and they said they wanted to have this Premier League kind of structure of of their club. So they're one of the few teams that do that. But um, yeah, that's that's one of the the main com- uh, comparisons from a, from a press um, level. There's also obviously you get packed press boxes in, in the Premier League. Um, I remember going to uh, I think it was Watford Chelsea, and and you get you can get people from all across the country and and beyond you get clubs where there's players from the far east and you have uh, like for example Tottenham and you have uh, you know with with um Hyung Song Min and therefore you get uh a South Korean uh, press there as well just covering one player and so that you you have such a draw on the Premier League that just doesn't spill over into the into the championship where you've got um local club level uh coverage of, of 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 local outlets so that they're the kind of main two comparisons and also just um uh you know just the the, the general treatment of 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 press you know the the press boxes and stuff like that are, are very you know a lot nicer in the premier league than they are they can be in the championship what would you say are your main frustrations about covering the championship? This, the, the, those sort of hangovers that you say, well, when I covered the Premier League sides, this was in place, this was in place, this was in place. And now at the championship, that just isn't there um, anymore. That, that isn't there for fans and, and fans of those clubs are losing out. In the championship, there's not as much national press. Like there's just not enough, uh, you know, as I was saying about the like the local reporters, they are, you know, clubs and fans of those clubs, especially the smaller clubs, um, will rely on those local reporters and hang on their every word. I mean, uh, like at Leeds, it's a bit more, you know, clubs like Leeds, where there's a huge almost Premier League following. So, you know, they're bigger following than than uh, than some Premier League clubs. Uh, you have more interest from the national press and therefore stories will be told that everyone will hear whereas that if that same story happened at say Millwall or QPR there just wouldn't be the same pull and therefore uh, it's a frustration you know as a fan of football that not enough people would see that story unfold Um, whereas with the Premier League it's it's so much more accessible and, and if there's a story that happens everyone knows about it um that's that's one main one that stands out so do you think that that's just simply as you've mentioned boiling down to the fact that there's no traffic in it so you can literally correlate um the amount of coverage that a club will get by the amount of traffic that is either perceived or uh, actually um experienced by uh, i guess seo uh trackers at the various mainstream outlets yeah absolutely and <laughs> it's 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 the the sad life of, of of the EFL and you know my, my colleague um, Miguel wrote a, a really fascinating feature about how um, for many many other reasons um, the EFL is is some for some clubs anyways is dying a slow death um, but that's more of a kind of financial and social problem within society of, of football and and the saturation of the Premier League. 
Mm. It might be good at this point then to talk about the athletic because the athletic is uh, a reversal of that ad revenue model um, that we we talked about, meaning that clubs. Uh, the smaller clubs aren't being covered. Uh, and that's something that actually I talked about with uh, Ed Mallion, the, the UK managing director, your, your former editor, about uh, in the podcast last week. Um, and that was, um, you know, as soon as you aren't relying on traffic, um, so much for your, if you're, um, for your monetization, as soon as you're relying on subscriptions, then you can be a little bit more, um, interesting with with the sorts of pieces that you're pitching and and um and so that's one thing uh, and he mentioned this you know if 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 the athletic kicks off in any meaningful way then they may be tempted to get um coverage of clubs further down the pyramid um but also um <clears throat> there's an extent to which the athletic are already um helping out with that problem because the, they've employed reporters to cover four of the of the clubs in the championship. Leeds is, is one of those clubs, but there's also Nottingham Forest, Derby and West Brom, I think. So um, I guess my question to you will be, what sort of impact do you expect the athletic to have on the, the sort of um, the, the written coverage of, of the championship? There's always, uh, there's also Sheffield Wednesday as well. I've just seen mm. as well. Yeah. I, that's, um, which is a surprise one actually, but good for them. I, I really like what they're doing and I, and, and I, I listened to your interview with with Ed and and how he was saying that if there was enough interest from a club that they could add clubs to that list as well and um they'll they'll be able to tell those stories that I was saying before um that many fans don't get to hear and you know fans not just of that club um cuz cuz you know the the regular beat journalists from from those local outlets that go to the games at say Nottingham Forest at Sheffield Wednesday at West Brom um will often just have to do you know the live blog the match report the quote piece there'll be no time to do those wider interesting features that the athletic will be able to do and that to be honest is a huge benefit to you know fans of the championship because they'll be able to take a step back and write the pieces that people really want to read the pieces that will that will stretch beyond just that game um you know the the lifespan of a of a of a match report is is such shorter now than it than it used to be because it could be used in the next day's newspaper and and things like that but people want it immediately in a few hours after the game people don't want to read a match report anymore they want to know what the next step is for their club they want to know what what the players have said and what what the managers said and how that um, how that affects the next game. They're always thinking about that. And and so to talk about tactics, to talk about um, player movements, to talk about things in a bit more depth and, and talk about things in a bit more, um, you know, as I was saying, like the wider scale will, will be hugely beneficial, I reckon. Let's move on to start talking about the television coverage in particular. So last week I was lucky enough to go along to the um, EFL on Quests um, launch of their of their highlights package for the next season, uh, which was was very interesting. They had as many fans as they could from the seventy two clubs in the football league there, and they're making a huge attempt to to bring in fans to their coverage. So one of the things that we saw last season was Twitter videos or Facebook videos from fans giving their match reports from the games. Um, they made a huge effort this time round to get fans interviewing various um, celebrities who were there. Um, taking photos with the cups, the various cups, uh, doing their best to to help the fans create their own media channels, uh, which I think is going to be an emphasis of what happens in the in the quest coverage of 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 the EFL next season. 
I have got a clip from uh, an interview that I gave with Colin Murray, who is the host of that of that highlights package. So I'll insert that clip here. Usually, um, any press launch is kind of like you begrudgingly have to go along, but the fact they've got like seventy-two fans or whatever it is today, it's uh, makes it a lot more enjoyable because you actually just talk rubbish with fans rather than you know. Yeah. Sponsorship and all that's very important, but not usually interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's been quite good today, just hang out with fans and, and talk it's to really them. It's really nice seeing them getting the fans involved, eh? Because yeah. one of the things I picked up on from, from what you were saying um, in, in the press conference was uh, you, you obviously believe in the sort of authenticity side of things mm. um, and, and seeing the, the fans get involved as content creators as well. Is, is it's about getting it right. Yeah. You know, the bottom line is about getting it right. I was, I was doing the Champions League last year in North America. Um, and I mean the amount of prep that had to go into it was little I mean if Barcelona are playing Liverpool it's, it, it doesn't take a genius to work out the keys to the game yeah, yeah, yeah. you know these are players that we know that we read about non-stop that get wall-to-wall coverage um, you know I, I, I do a little bit of work in Kenya once a year um, and we, we got work at this school and it's in the middle of nowhere and long after electricity's ran out and long after water's ran out there's football shirts, Premier League football shirts. <laughs> getting getting ready for a Champions League in the Premier League is pretty easy. With with the EFL, once you go outside the Championship, you're relying on local papers and forums. I mean, the, the main coverage for it is either Sky, the, which is on when we're going into the studio, or us. <laughs> so, you know, you listen to some of the podcasts and you constantly are in the forums to find out what's actually going on at the club. So I, don't, I, think, I think it's just about not being generic. You know, putting the effort in, putting in the work, and that's what we kind of do. Yeah. So, s- small teams, you don't always get it right. But probably from a media point of view, it's the closest to a radio show that I've worked on in terms of it's like everyone around a table, what are we doing today? Why should we not be doing that? When's the last time we talked about this team? What, why Why is this happening at this club? Let's find out. Um, and also, I love being able to work with the pundits, not like subservient to them. So I, I always say, like I, I am the conduit between you and the audience. So I think the audience are going to call bullshit. I'll call bullshit before we go on air. And if you say, and it's great. So I'll, I'll say to Ollie, I love that. I can't wait to do that on air. Or I'll say, I don't get that. I, I don't think you're telling me something that they don't already know. And he'll go, well, actually, and he'll, he'll argue it out with me. He'll go, okay, all right, I'll go back and see if we can find something else. Why do you so, think? Where do you think that radio aspect comes from? Is it, is it simply because there is much less money in the, in, in the effect? Correct. Is that I, what it, that's what it is. I, I think you're exactly right. We don't have the money to be t- to be uh, eight layers of people. Uh, you know, we don't have that. So it's me and Pete and the pundits, and you've got a guy called Ali Maxwell there every week, who's great. And he comes on air now. He does League yeah. One, League Two stuff every other week. But he is there every week as the uh, producer of the League One, League Two stuff. So he's off watching League One, two eyes, 72 teams, right? Yeah. It doesn't work. So it's always about, like, even at, at five o'clock, you're maybe going into an edit suite and saying, I need to see the highlights of this game. I need to see this incident. I need to see this. Just trying to keep... Because we get, we'll get tweets, why didn't you show this disallowed goal in the game? And you're like, well, it was three yards offside. <laughs> But sometimes, if you've been at the game and you're down the other end, you didn't yeah. see how bloody offside it was. So it's it's constantly like chasing your tail with the stuff. But it's a buzz. You just got to put in a real shift. Like when you're finishing a Saturday, you're, you ain't going clubbing. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you've worked you've worked in Premier League uh, coverage mm. as well. 
Um, what would you what would you say that your experience of moving from the one to the other is? Do you, do you well, prefer doing I had a big gap in between. So I'm a radio boy who does TV, or a TV boy that does radio. Yeah. So which makes me a better person. Uh, but so in between doing Match of the Day two and starting on the EFL on Channel Five and then on Quest, I would have done like a million other things. So it wasn't like that, you know, gear change in. I, I was very young when I did Match of Day too, so it's hard to really judge it against anything because I wasn't really a mature broadcaster at that stage. I'll always love radio, but I, I suppose the main difference is I think, the, I think it's more of a team effort. There's less worry about what people will think or profile. or you ain't, Listen, you ain't going to steal many retweets and likes from saying something about... South End United or, or Plymouth Argyle compared to if you go on and say somebody's a shit house, uh, you know, a, a player's a shit house in the Premier League. So that changes the goalpost as well. It maybe attracts a different type of pundit. Um, and we're just really careful about the pundits we have as well that they're like they're they're going to be part of that team. Nobody comes in, nobody swans in the EFL and Quest, <laughs> me included. You would just get chopped down and told to leave. Right. So everyone's sort of fairly equal. Yeah, you know, great example is like Millwall. One of the editors who's edited football league highlights for a long, long time, Millwall through and through. I just go by his swearing that's coming from his booth. <laughs> and then I just go around the door and I'm just like, Camel, give me it in like 30 seconds. <laughs> Done. And I'm like, that's okay. And I take it in and look at the forums and shit, and he's always right. Yeah, so yeah. it's amazing. It gets, it's like, I always describe it as like a jigsaw. That actually the pieces don't go in the right place but when you work on it for long enough you realise how it works you yeah, know yeah. so and and these people are good like if, if we're on the BBC we wouldn't I mean BBC 2 wouldn't want to put it out at 9 o'clock it wouldn't go out at 10 o'clock on BBC 1 it would go out at midnight figures forever show that people stop watching TV at 11 like it's been the case forever so it's in the whether you like it or not it's in the graveyard slot anything beyond 11's graveyard um, we're at 9 we cannot move from 9 we're not allowed to move like we can't Quest can't say oh we're showing a film because it's Christmas they have to keep us at 9 the only time it moves is if there's a game that kicks off really late and it would finish at half 9 and we're like shit that's like top two in the championship which was the case this year the game kicked off so late they were like we, we have to wait we have to come on at half nine and I think we came on before it was finished and we showed it like half an hour into the show so they're good I mean it doesn't mean that there's not the usual like TV will always have more bollocks connected to it and more nonsense than radio that's what separates radio people from like, that's why we're attracted <laughs> to radio it's more about like what you say um, TV's not but this is the closest I've found to it you know what do you think that you've been a few seasons in? Do you think it's got to change with the coverage? Where does it? Do you think there's the there's obviously a market there for it? Yeah. I think the problem is everyone who ever broadcast it saw that when you finished covering the championship that you dropped for League One, League Two and it was like a cliff drop it wasn't like a small drop it was a cliff drop the stats show that a lot of championship fans the majority don't watch League One, League Two my argument was yeah but League One, League Two fans don't watch it either because you're only showing half an hour taking the ad breaks out and it's not about Quest it happened before it happened before and they've tried everything they've tried mixing the leagues up like who does that like they've tried all sorts of things and it's actually no just give it respect we keep it so simple our show there's no tricks there's no walking across the studio for no reason there's no fancy lines to show a midfielder broke late when you learn when like school midfielders break late it's not you know so it's um 
So it's about that honesty, I think, with him. So the improvements are where an are for League One, League Two. Now that was that was a real battle. That was like we were constantly on from the start of the season. We need to be longer. And when they made it longer, it worked. More people are watching an hour than watch for the half hour. And there's not that many tune-in turnover from match of the, to match of the day too. Match of the day because when we start doing League Two about half past ten. That's League Two fans and, and Premier League fans. They're different worlds. So we tend to hold our market quite well. The difference between Quest and other years is the other years have been quite clever to divide the shows up. So when you see the figures, you see the figures for a championship show, a League One, League Two show, even though it's the same people. We haven't done that. We've kept it as one show, which you could say is naive. You could say is brave. Because if you separate them, your championship figure goes right up. But ours is averaged over the over yeah. the two hours. But they've kept it up for two hours, and there's four cameras at every championship game. The worst thing was like, is that offside? I don't know. I can't fucking tell. There's no camera. So that's the change as well. So that's good. They're big positive changes. Now it's all about like how we can use what is a really modest budget to market it in maybe more inventive ways. I'm not quite sure. You know that. Um, Back to the future and Chapman on the sea dance when he plays Johnny Be Good. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. a bit like that at the moment. So I'm going to I'm going to them and saying we should do this, we should do like and they're all definitely very different ideas than straightforward media. If it was me, I wouldn't do any straightforward media, I'd just market it directly to the fans, fans forum, that sponsor as much as you can, help fan forums yeah. use the money to help the game rather than use it to take out hands. So it's a really interesting thing. Like every season I think it's gonna get stronger and maybe it's a four year contract. <laughs> And not many people. When we got it, I don't think not many people would have given us a chance. But I think we're, I think it's nil nil away from home after the first season, and I think we're feeling quite confident going into the second season. Yeah. Do you hear Ollie in the background, by the way? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I guess. Oi, Holloway. Sorry. Holloway. Jesus. Sorry. You all right? It's all right. You go. You go ahead. <laughs> Imagine working at Asda and I wouldn't want to people like, can you piss off me? <laughs> Some other families putting their shopping on and go. That's why I work with. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, I do, uh, yeah, in, in line with what you're saying, it's interesting that you've got the not the top 20 guys involved. Yeah. Um, well, no, Ali actually precedes that, so well, he works sunset, on that. Sunset environment. Yeah, but he was right back there, right. cocky little kid, <laughs> who was properly into it. And then when, when we got into the... <laughs> He's listening in, you've got to be careful what you say. True, though, right? True, though. <laughs> he knows Ali better than anyone, I'm right. <laughs> um, and... He, he was just he loved it and he put in the work and it's like well why would we then go and get a footballer to do the League 1 League 2 to be bringing an extra pundit I'm like I want to bring in these people who live and breathe it who are really enthusiastic about it um, and he, he I, I try not to tell him this face but he's brilliant so um, yeah he's really good so I think that's different as well I mean when's the last time you saw a pundit on TV I say a pundit whatever you want to call them a lower league expert, a pundit, whatever you want to call yeah. him. When have you seen someone under the age of 30? Yeah. That's another thing that we've done that no one else has done. How old's Ali? 26-year-old on television covering the EFL, right? It's crazy. That, that, that's another thing maybe that we haven't yeah, given yeah. credit for and not just getting like, you know, Ollie, who's your mate? You know, like, so that's been good as well. I think that's another good change. And that comes from not having that many levels of management, not having to really ask anyone. Yeah, just, yeah. just three or four of us. We make the right decision, hopefully, and we push forward, you know. But the impact of social media, I know, I guess, 
fuddy-duddies like us talking about social media is always, yeah. it's always going to sound as though we're sort of a deus ex machina saying yeah. like, that's all of the problems that we have or all yeah. the solutions we have are in that area but like, what impact do you think that has had on your show in particular? Well, we're, we're I, listen, when I hear radio stations say they've lost 30% of their listenership because of the modern era, right. I think, really, that's all it's about? I don't yeah. think so. No, it's talk sport, it had all-time record ratings from a slot. Apparently that's when radio was dying. Yeah. Well, fighting talk, all the hash ratings for. Blood and the Tracks is doing well. Like, Radio 1, we broke the decade high. We broke, it was a, So it was only the first decade of the year. So, But we broke the decade record for that slot. All the times when radio was dying. So actually, if you pay attention to your audience and respect them and be honest to them and serve them, okay, maybe relatively keeping the audience is a big win or only slightly dropping, but I don't buy it as an excuse, you know? We do Quest OD. We do a thing. I don't know. Someone in here would know. One of them guys would know. I think like 120,000 are watching it on their phone now. So it's all about understanding the market, but it's, look, kids use social media in the same way, you can't talk to kids about social media. They don't even use those words. It's it's just life. In the same way as it was for us to read a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they do. They just pick it up and use it. Yeah. You know. So it's. I think you always lose the fight when if it's if we did some very bad social media at the start of Quest. It was all about like trying to create this that. And I was like, it's not really the way it works. You know, we tweet out the goals. We tweet out the good clips. Good content travels. Yeah. That hasn't changed. Shit tweets don't get retweeted, good (laughs) ones do. Shit programs get watched, bad ones don't. So so from that point of view, it's the same rules, you know? So I'm quite lucky as well with my Twitter. I've never used it like in a way of like how many followers can I get? How many I've never done it. I've always been anti social social media. I use it to reply to people mainly. So I average like two tweets a week. And and even that my columns every week, so tweet that out a few hours. I rarely have big periods of tweeting, but I love responding to people. So, so I have very high uh, pickup rate, or whatever it's called, in that Twitter analytics. <laughs> so I'm sort of over three percent, which apparently is ridiculous. So I like that. I like I use social media to genuinely connect with people. It's like these people here today. It's like I'll say like, give us your details. Let's connect. Let's get on your channels. I don't. People still want a heart and a home for football. You know, that's the thing I always say to the show. We're, we're not the first place you can see the goals. Right, we're we're not uh, the biggest budget. W- what are we? What what do we offer? We we offer a community. We offer an ability to to to, with in, to inform the audience about what's happening in their league, to connect with the issues, good and bad, at their club. Whether it be covering properly Blackpool getting home and not to to on the line their first game um, after the the them as we like to call them. <laughs> And it'll be the same this season, isn't it? You know, it's from Bury and Coventry and, and Bolton right through, we'll try and understand the stories, good and bad. And I think there's still a place for that. I still is, but it's the minute it's generic. Teams like Preston. That's just, we don't do that. I learned that early in the five coverage, the, the big thing that needed to be no more generic chat. It's okay to get it wrong, but at least, at least try and understand each club's different. You, you know, you talk to an Akron and Stanley fan here today, bordering on smug and he's right to be the way the clubs up run he's right to be smug about it or a Shrewsbury fan you might see might read a review that says yeah probably it's going to be mid-table like it's a bad thing but if you talk to Shrewsbury and say well actually clever business over the summer you know we're not worried about our club's future next year we've cut our cloth and we'll have a crack at it we'll have a laugh we'll win more than we lose maybe 
what's wrong with that? I think that's the modern way to think about football now. Is the reaction from the fans and this greed and ambition? Is the fans went the other way and said community and stability? And I, I it's um, it's a, such an honour to see like seventy two clubs come in because you get to see what's what what unites them, not just what divides them. You know what I mean? I, I on a Saturday at three o'clock, you get to see what unites them as well. And I see that more and more. Not clubs talking about going up and going down. Clubs going about being solvent. You know what I mean? Playing a certain style of football. Okay, if we finish mid-season every day, every year, let's not do it by putting fucking ten men behind the ball and humping it. These things that you see, the changes. It's like the championship is in the league it used to be. You don't have to kick your way to the championship. How many more examples do we need? You do not have to kick your way. Before people stop saying the championship's the toughest league in the world, you got to be tough. Really? Were Norwich tough last year? Three teams. I don't think Chevy and I were a big team. Fair enough, they were a big team. That's not why they went up. They played good football. Of course they did. There was times I didn't know what the manager was doing. Times I'm looking at it, going, what's he done watching it live? He's so good. So underrated. I always said if he had a different name, he'd be, you know I mean? If his name ended, you know, was an Italian name, he'd already be taken by a bigger say a bigger club but he would have been he would have been snapped so you don't the rules of football don't really allow you to kick teams off the park anymore so you see these things real pr- I'm, I'm, ram- I'm rambling but yeah it's good yeah. stuff you're an American sports fan a baseball fan yeah also a baseball fan oh, incidentally come on um, but have you come across the athletic much the athletic is um, is a it's a subscription based website that does uh, for, uh, well sports coverage in the US oh, okay they're moving over into the um, English Premier League this season oh, okay. doing a big thing they've snaffled up a lot of the big biggest names in the industry you've probably seen probably the athletic I'll have yeah. to look it up I haven't seen it but they do the American sports they do so um, they are they're putting a huge amount of money and they've, they've, they've bought out maybe 50 of the biggest sports writers in the UK to cover the EPL but they're also covering um, they're, they're covering I think Forest Leeds they've taken Phil Hay from the Yorkshire Evening Post so they've taken two or three teams yeah so I'm, but I'm interested to see, because the interesting thing about the Athletic is that they are beat journalist focused so they mm-hmm. what they will do is rather than just covering the top six and then sort of letting everyone else fall into place they'll have they'll have journalists who are covering the, the, the club full yeah. time All right, cool. um, so I was I was interested if you'd heard of it what, what you no, thought what you, I haven't heard you thought of the it intri- the, the the impact of that might be then on the on the EFL in particular, given that they are picking up Derby, Nottingham yeah. Forest, Leeds. I literally um, have to plead ignorance. I don't know anything about them. I can tell you they won't be writing many good things about the Toronto Blue Jays at the moment. So, Matt, what was your initial response to, to that interview by, by Colin Murray? What was it that struck you as being particularly interesting about what Quest are trying to do in, in their coverage of, of the EFL? I particularly like what Colin was saying about um, how they really do care about the the fan... Um, authenticity of everything because I think uh, and I know Colin personally as well and I know he's that type of person he's a real purist when it comes to to football and to, to football coverage and I think it's it's important to really have that access to speaking to fans and to understanding it and they they really do care about that I think and as, as he was saying about how uh they'll they'll still keep their their league two watchers because they're right on at the end of that program you know that they 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 have that audience there because it is separate from the premier league it really there is a real gulf between the the two of them they're not just general fans they are a a completely different fan base and to actually have that connection with them is, is is really important yeah i think one of the things that was really impressed upon me from that day was the fact that quest realized that you know in terms of their 
uh, their material coverage they they're always going to be a mile off what they can what what we're used to being offered on um sky sports obviously but also BT, uh, BT Sport, Amazon Prime. We've got um, Match of the Day as well. So they know that they that they just cannot compete with those um, those global conglomerates. And so what they're trying to do um, is is actually emphasise that aspect of of the the championship of, of the of the teams in the um, in, uh, the football leagues. Um, that is, you know, you are the clubs that often do get forget, forgotten. So we're going to take you seriously. We're going to make a huge amount of effort to to um, cover our, your games in the best way possible. Uh, and our and our highlights package is going to reflect that. So I thought that was something that was very interesting because um, I think all too often when whoever's had that highlights package in the past, it was on the BBC for a while, uh, it was on Channel 5 too, they've tried to, I think, cover it in the same way that the Premier League has been covered. Um, and I think a lot of the time they've actually failed because they've they've, they've almost patronised a lot of the fans, a lot of the clubs. Uh, and a lot of these clubs just want to be taken seriously. A lot of the fans of these clubs just want to be taken seriously. And I think by enge- engaging with the fans, allowing the fans to um, engage in, in, the, in the production, as well as being the audience of these of these features, um, it, I think it, it adds a huge amount to that. There's, they're even doing things such as allowing each of the fans who's, who've signed up with them to go along to um, the production of a show, so you can go along and watch the, the the start of the filming all the way through in the in the studio to the end. Um, so it's it's great to see that kind of approach to the um, football league packages. I guess beyond that, we should we could talk a little bit about the the actual broadcasting of of um, of the football league because um as a Leeds fan I know that the there can be fan bases that have a huge amount of frustration with the way that Sky Sports sort of play fast and loose with um fixtures fixture lists uh, and move them around so that they fit with their um with their sh- with their schedules um I don't I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that aspect of of the of the coverage I guess when when it comes to the Premier League because all of the 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 broadcasting rights are so um expensive there's a general coverage which doesn't really affect fans individually or fan bases individually there's a there's a sort of general aspect um to which people are going to see uh, the games moved around but in the in the in the championship precisely because of what we've said you know it comes down to viewing figures and and popularity it means that there are some fan bases that that suffer um in in that regard so do you have any thoughts on that i do think to an extent and this is um you know no real big criticism of 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 sky sports and, and the way they do things because they're doing it based on the figures that they have and the interest figures they have i have no doubt about that but in the same at the same way uh at the same time um I do think the EFL is is patronised because um, the focus is is always the Premier League. It it is always that big time, and people talk about the Championship. And yes, players and 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 teams and everything that come with that know this as well. But it's treated um, in such a different way. It's only that it's like the step to the Premier League. It's not its own league in its own right. You know, it's it's all building up to that. Um, the most expensive game in world sport, the, the championship playoff final, and and the focus is is it was all on that potential day as, as being dramatized. Um, but I I do think to an extent um, that there is uh, if if it was given the time, I reckon there would be more of a of a market in in televising more um, championship matches. Definitely championship matches. I don't know how much further you could go down to do that, but. Um, 
I guess because of the time they've got, the simple time and money that they've got, it, that as much Premier League as they can is is just uh, you know squashed into the to the time slots they've got. I wonder if you think that the the, the championship coverage and the EFL coverage in general has has almost missed a trick. Um, we're seeing football burgeoning around the and, and the watching of football and broadcast packages of football around the world burgeoning at the moment. Uh, and there's there's certain people that will tell you that the championship is the sixth best league in the world. Now, if that is the case, it doesn't feel as though the broadcast coverage that it gets is the sixth best coverage uh, in the world. So, do you think that the the coverage that the, the broadcasting rights the EFL have sort of sat back and, and, and let actually a very good product go unplundered to a certain extent? To be honest, I don't exactly know. I would love to say I do, but I don't. But I do know that there is a bigger gulf ev- than ever between the Premier League and every other league. Um, and because there is such a growing focus of that across the world, um, you know, it has been for the last, you know, since the Premier League began, really. And it's it's accelerated in the last decade. Um but because of that, I mean, you see the the rights to to foreign leagues can't get sold in the UK anymore because people want to watch that aside aside from the Premier League. They don't want that to be their focus, and and you know they couldn't sell uh, the the rights to to the to La Liga to a British broadcaster. So if you can't sell the rights to La Liga, which ultimately has some of the best, I mean, it's got the best player in the world there, and. And uh, and now Eden Hazard as well. Um, and the, what's what luck does the championship have to try and sell that on an international market, really? Let's move on to talk then about the, the more independent coverage. George Ellick is one of the hosts of Not the Top 20 podcast, a podcast which covers all 72 teams in the football leagues. He is working with Ali Maxwell as well, who um, Colin Murray had a lot of good things to say about in that interview. Those two guys came from came from relatively nowhere and, and they realised that there was no provision of a of a podcast um, for the fans of the uh, teams in the football leagues and they came along and created it and they basically created their own media platform based on that niche. So I'm going to play a a clip now, which is my interview with George, uh, and then we'll have a little bit of a chat about that. It's really interesting seeing the way that you guys have, have gone about doing things because you've you've found that niche and you've you've worked it and it's, and it's worked out well. And I think a lot of what, a lot of what Colin was saying and what a lot of things I'm interested about, about the EFL is the way that it, it, there's just such a big gap between the Premier League and then, and then the coverage of the rest um, of, of, the, of the football league. So I, I guess my question would be, like, to what extent do you think that, um, that, that a lot of what the not the top 20 did was just simply find that niche and, 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 and attack it? But also, how much of it has, has been to do with the fact that... It, it, I, I don't know, maybe this is me speculating too much, but it seems as though the way that Quest is doing things now is very much... In, in line with what you've been yeah. doing in the last few years. So it's almost like you've fa- found a new way of covering. Um, I, think, I think we found like a sweet spot yeah. in a way. I think, I mean, there was, a, there was a podcast before us, the We Are Going Up podcast, which did the EFL stuff and that ended. And it was, I guess, at a time when podcasts weren't quite as mainstream as they are now, and maybe it wasn't quite as easy just to set one up in your, you know, in your in your front room or whatever. Or that's what that's what we did. So when we did set it up, there weren't any others, and now there are others. But we, I guess, had a bit of a head start time-wise. Um, in terms of 
you know, the, the quest thing aligning. I think that's just the whole of media. I think football media, especially, is moving away from a model where it's just player focus, ex player focus. People aren't particularly interested necessarily in ex players who don't have good insight. And we all know examples of people on major broadcasters who don't add anything to the conversation um, and with the rise of social media and the rise of Twitter it means that certain journalists are starting to reach like a celebrity status in themselves and therefore who do you rather have like a guy with 200,000 followers on Twitter or an ex-pro who you haven't really heard of yeah, so I'd say we've been lucky where we came in at a time where but yeah, FL pods weren't really a thing and also at a time where producers and major broadcasters are willing to take a chance on non-ex-pros whereas five years ago yeah. it just never would have happened what's the, what's the sort of general trajectory that you guys are looking at now is it doing the same sort of thing or are you thinking about are you thinking of ways to, to improve coverage all the time yeah I think because because we're now basically doing it full time we've got a lot more time um, we're going to explore video um, content options as well Um but and, and I mean we're seeing now a little bit of a snowball effect where I think it's the same with most podcasts where if you're early I mean it's, it takes a hell of a long time to go from 400 listeners to 1,000 listeners and not very long to go from 4,000 listeners to 6,000 yeah, listeners you know because yeah, yeah. it, it's, it's word of mouth and it's people understanding and stuff like our 1 to 24 is like a massive acquisition time because you know, if you tell a group of fans they're going to come 21st and that causes a storm on Twitter, suddenly people are listening even just because they've been told something bad's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're looking at ways of, of expanding it, um, but at the same time, keeping you know, the Monday show, which is our main show, just we won't want to change that ever. Um, and the betting show that we that we do on the Thursdays is just a, you know, we do it because we both enjoy betting and we do it because it's a fairly easy commercial sell as well. Do you ever think of uh, paywalling or anything like that or are you happy with just having it free to free to us? We, we have but then I think our relationship with the people who the core audience are still the people who were listening when we first started it and I think putting some of the content behind a paywall would A I think be a bit unfair to those people and B would um, put responsibility on us to ensure we're creating content good enough for their money yeah. which we're not sure if we want to do um, it's a similar thing with, with the betting sponsor we had last season we rejected any offers to have an agreement where we would profit from the sign-ups that you know if, if our listeners bet and lost which is how most betting sponsorships or how some of them work because we didn't like the idea of profiting from our listeners you know, losing money so I think our out, our outlook and the way we want to do it is, is always to try and be as friendly as possible to um, to the listeners and try and make any money that we make from either commercial deals or from major companies rather than asking our listeners yeah. to, to pay I think the other thing as well that we should talk about is uh, the concept of community because that's clearly what's yeah. really motivated you guys um, and the podcast itself um, and you'll know a lot of, of, of what's going on with The Athletic, for example, and, and, and from what it seems to me from the outside, a lot of what's going on there is is, is trying to motivate that, not, not necessarily community side of things, but the, the, the this more authentic side of things where you're like, well, we've got, a, we've got a beat journalist who's covering this club. They'll know everything about that club and they'll be writing for people who want to know about that. And that's very much feels like the model that you guys have used. You've, you're happy to like defer expertise to, to areas where, where you've got fans who are happy to yeah. do that for you so how, how important do you think that is for the future of, of media do you think that that's Massive, yeah. something that could happen even in the Premier League do you think or do you think that's that's just what the beauty of the EFL well, is is that you have that community I, I guess you see it in, in the Premier League already but just with the individual clubs in a way whereas I mean people often ask Ali and I 
how we can cover the 72 clubs in as much depth. And the truth is that we definitely couldn't do that without other people's help. I mean, we have to rely on people to provide expert coverage on, their, on, on other clubs because otherwise... And you are, to an extent, regurgitating opinions. You know, if I'm talking about an Accrington left-back who's 19 years old, who's, who's incredible, I've probably heard about from someone else, watched a few clips on Scout, and tried to come to an opinion. It's not because I've been up there on a Tuesday night to go and watch him. So, and I think to an extent, I mean, Ali does most of our social stuff, most of our Twitter stuff, so, I mean, 99% of it. So he would definitely feel like a massive part of that EFL community. And, and I know that he's very proud of, of kind of what's developed through Not Top 20 in the last three or four years. Um, and yeah, and I think, you know, you ask what the plan is for the future of the pods. I think, you know, basically growing that and trying to make trying to make the EFL, EFL community as, you know, uh, informative as possible to everyone is, is the most important thing. Mm, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's been great for me as a Leeds fan as well to, to see what's been happening. Hopefully this is the last year, you'll be listening. <laughs> well, we'll yeah. see. Matt, you told me that you hadn't actually um, experienced the Not The Top 20 podcast before this week. You you um, had a listen to that and I'm just interested to hear your, your um, response to what you felt that the guys at Not The Top 20 podcast are doing. Yeah, I think it's really good. I honestly, I, I feel I feel bad because I'd never listened to it before. Um, but I, I had heard of it and I certainly was getting around to it because I find it difficult to listen to podcasts sometimes, ironically, um, to find the time to do it. But um, I do have a long commute and I, I tend to end up reading things than listening to anything. But I did listen to to theirs this week and um, I thought it was really great. I love that they got Phil Hay on as well. I'm a big fan of Phil's and um, and to talk through th- some of the issues and focus on one particular club. And um, I think I think if anything, that is is a good thing to do, to take one club each week to to try and do a bit more of a bigger focus on. I'm not sure if that's their their plan, but um, but I do I do I did really enjoy it, and I think that's that's really what what we need more of people to to analyze and discuss um, the issues within the football league um, on a on on a regular basis because there's there there isn't there isn't ultimately enough of that. I guess the 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 question then becomes well to what extent is the coverage of of the the championship is the league itself conducive to that kind of independent coverage where um you're relying on people coming in um fan media in particular um and uh, and addressing that that niche in the market if if the national presses aren't going to um touch it because there just isn't enough traffic there for them to justify it uh, then is it simply a space that's going to open up for independent fan media that's that's a good question i i think there is definitely a space for independent fan media at at the moment and um there is there is an audience out there to get and you, you see a lot more i mean the growth of podcasts has gone up and up and up everyone who isn't doing a podcast is now doing one um you know the the independent started its own football podcast a couple of years ago um which which i helped produce um and uh every, everyone even sunday supplement which i don't know how long they've been turning their actual program into a podcast um we're doing that as well and that's uh, you know such a such a way of trying to do that trying to get each and every club and fans of that club to try and have their own little kind of corner so um so i think that having uh there does need to be more discussion though there does need to be more general discussion somewhere that people can go together 
somewhere someplace like like the top 20 and not the top 20 and and other places where people kind of all come come to one place i feel like because otherwise um fans do just end up going to their own little little corner of things and i feel like that's you know that if you're not a fan of that club you need to listen to a whole podcast or you need to to read up on something in in one specific corner whereas you know does that make sense (laughs) yeah yeah of course my gut response to that would be well is there the possibility to start a media platform that sets up individual podcasts for i guess clubs in it could be the the efl for example and and then and then sort of aggregates all of those but i suppose that's that's almost what the the athletic have done they've they've made their big gamble be be rather than have people have their content bundled together per location so when when we've had our football content in the past it's come along with local news or national news or finance news and, and, and all of the other things that accrue with, with, with the packages that we get at the moment. And what they're saying is actually let's, let's try and develop a model where your, your football content is, um, bundled with, with the genre of sport in general. Um, and so I guess if we see that the athletic can do that, can make that, um, that sort of shift, then I wonder whether or not there's the possibility to, for someone like not the top 20 podcast to do the same kind of thing. Um, and, and to corner that market of, uh, of, of the, uh, EFL because you've got 72 teams there. So you have the possibility of 72 potential, I guess, f- fan outlets that you could then, you could sort of mediatize and, and professionalize in many respects. Um, so I, I suppose that's um, what I'm interested in seeing in, in the future, I, and I'm not sure. You know, we, I think on this on this podcast, we're, we're always we're always sort of thinking, well, what's the next innov- innovative um, approach to this problem? Uh, and I think always it comes down to basically money. Like, where does the money come from? Which is why I think there's a lot riding on the athletic at the moment, because if they can sort of crack the paywall model of consumption, then we're we're potentially saved i suppose i mean generally the championship it always there is there is that feeling of authenticity about it is what we were saying before about you what you were saying to colin and you get a sense of real people and real community and in what the clubs do um and that in in covering the championship and in covering the efl i think there is a there is a worry for me in that if that has so much focus and it has the same kind of Say, say it was sold in the way the Premier League is sold to everyone around the world. Um, then, it, in a way, yes, it does save those those leagues and the, and the fans from those leagues. Uh, the, the lack of of fans going to, to to watch them and watch them on TV, it would save that. Um, but it changes it as well because there's so much focus on the Premier League now that everything is so money oriented. Everything, every tiny little thing has been sold off. Um, that, that possibly can be that there does that you it you can like I am to an extent com, you know uh, disenchanted with it you know it, I I don't feel like I'm a part of the Premier League anymore even though I'm a fan of a Premier League club um, and and it, it it it's it's the oversaturation it's the overdramatization the sensationalist coverage that I don't want in the Championship and don't want in the EFL because it loses the romantic element of football that the purists um love and and that and do you know what i mean because because in the championship right now no one bigs up you know that big tuesday night clash between 
Millwall and Brentford, you know, uh, you know, it's something like that, something of two slightly smaller clubs. No one is bigging that up on the national scale. And yet you could go along and 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 it could be an absolute thriller. And those two teams could finish in, in the top eight. And in the championship, two teams, any two teams on their day could beat them. They could beat either team. And the Premier League is not like that. And in the Premier League, the coverage isn't like that. And therefore, um, that's why in many ways, I do love the way it is at the moment. That's interesting because I guess as well, one of the experiences I've had this week of of engaging with uh, athletics coverage is that I open the app and I'm like, there's just so much stuff here. There's so much coverage of... And actually what's been great for me has been being a fan of a championship side is being able to just dip into the, the other championship team's coverages. Uh, and I, I, I think actually one solution perhaps to that oversaturation of, of football media ironically could be the production of more media in those smaller markets. And so actually if the, um, athletic do decide to, to, to hire people from, uh, to cover other clubs in the championship in League One, in League Two, then actually, despite the fact that they are at adding to that um, agglomeration of, of content, actually, it's 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 not quite the same saturation that we're getting when it's just the same people writing about the same top six sides um, and having to think of interesting new angles on it. So perhaps uh, again, the 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 EFL could be a solution to the problem that that you've talked about there of saturation. Yeah, definitely. So that brings us to a close and all that remains for me to do is to thank you, Matt, for coming on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as always. Pleasure to come on as always. Do you want to push anything at this point? Is there any Twitter handles, websites, podcasts that you want to have our listeners to, to explore? Apart from this one, no, I'm joking. Um, there's, <laughs> uh, we we are kind of kicking off the new season of the Indie Football Podcast, which um, I'll be helping in the production of. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I'll be doing championship coverage. I've I've actually written a, a feature about QPR and how um, they've renamed their stadium this season as as the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium. And there's a really interesting story about that behind uh, behind that. He was Kyan Prince was a youth player um, and uh, was was stabbed to death 13 years ago. And his dad, um, Mark Prince, uh, has set up uh, this foundation that now helps to tackle knife crime. And it's it's really fascinating. And it, it's it's you know what I was saying about how. Um, a club like QPR are helping um, the community. So if if anyone uh, wants to go and read more about the story behind that, it's it's a really good one. And if they want to do that, they can go across to your Twitter feed, which is at... At Matt underscore underscore Murphy. Well, that's brilliant, Matt. Thank you very much for talking. It's been fascinating as always. Um, and I'm sure we will be talking again on this podcast in the not too distant future. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Football Media Podcast with me, John McKenzie, Matt Murphy, Colin Murray and George Alec. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. We'll be back next week with another interesting guest from the football media. Goodbye. <laughs>